got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Uh, Kevin was doing The Real Husbands of Hollywood, and you want chaos? 
get JB Smoove and, and Nelly and you know and, and Kevin Harden, you know, and, and Dwayne Martin is there and and Boris and they have a loose idea of what's going to be said. <laughs> and JB Smoove is amazing. Uh but you know, I can't trust JB to say the exact same line the exact same way yeah. twice. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, like you gotta really kind of have a sense of how you think this is supposed to work. And you can't be afraid when it's, you know, does what it does. Could you imagine doing a special that way, a comedy special, and you just have to listen? You don't know where to go? We'll find out more. Ali Leroy on the other side of the break. And you know, you can fast forward, but mama got to pay these bills. Naked coming up in just a few moments. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to another edition of Naked. Uh, today's episode for me uh, was very educational. I, I, I told you all I'm embarking on yet again another adventure and I'm a slaying these hosting jobs. But I, uh, as someone who considers himself a storyteller and a creator, uh, this next guest is by far someone who can talk about the process, the creative process. I often try to have people in front of the camera and behind the scenes so you can feel like you understand what it takes to be successful. You can understand what it takes to be a human for that matter, right? To be completely honest. And usually creatives do that. They come with a lot of raw honesty. And our guest, Ali Leroy, has done exactly that. Television producer, director, writer, actor from The Shy joins us. Some of his most notable work, some of his most known work, let me correct myself, could be with The Chris Rock Show. He wrote a few episodes, was a supervising producer on that show. That was the HBO Late Night Talk Show. He also directed episodes of, obviously, what everyone knows is Everybody Hates Chris Rock. And I just added the Chris Rock because it's not actually called Everybody Hates Chris Rock. It's Everybody Hates Chris And he worked and created that with Chris. And I thought that was something super special. Uh, You guys know that changed and launched so many careers. Bernie Mac's everyone. And by the way, side note, Bernie Mac was already hustling and winning. I want to put that in. But it became, quote unquote, mainstream to know who he was. And and he's been introduced to the world in that way. So Ali does a lot of wonderful work, as you'll hear him talk about in the podcast. He directed Rel's special, which is coming up on HBO, his comedy special. Uh, he was a comedian himself. That's how he met Chris Rock. Uh, his resume is is long and his work is impressive. And when you listen to him, especially if you're a creative, this is a master class. I don't care if you're not a writer, director, actor, producer, just someone who likes to tell stories. He's giving us a master class about the process, what it looks like, and what he does to get to the truth. And you can tell uh, by listening to him talk, he has an incredible amount of empathy, extremely wise. And he lives in a space that I don't know if I can say that I live in quite yet as a creative, but he, he he's dropping gems. You know, I like to learn from folks. That's why I have you on the podcast. We get into the creative process. We get into people he has worked with, namely Chris Rock. And we also talk about Kanye because he's from the shy and he has a very unique perspective. And it's not so much like, oh, I don't want to hear about Kanye anymore. It's really about the human experience and and how Kanye isn't the only person responsible for where he is right now in terms of society, if you will, canceling him in air quotes or sitting him down. And I appreciate it because um, it's nuanced. 
It's not black or white. It's gray. I live in the gray. So everyone, welcome to the podcast. Ali Roy. You're going to enjoy it. You're welcome. First off, thank you for joining me on Naked. Um, in, in, in researching and having you on the show, there are a few things that I wanted to talk to you about. The first thing about you that I'm really curious about, when I talk to creatives, and especially creatives who have a, um, a directive to tell the Black story in its totality, to see as far as humanity and not just being Black folks, um, I just, because we are, but the totality right. of who we are. Um, right. As a creative, every project that you take on, is that is that the main goal? Not every project, but when you get that opportunity to tell our stories, how do you go in um, with what mindset? I mean, l- literally that absolutely 100% every single time. And it doesn't necessarily present itself as an agenda uh, because I just think of it as a thing that is innate. I mean, we are whole people, you know, we do have wildly varying experiences and perspectives and we have nuance and shadings and colors. And so regardless of whether or not the the project itself is, uh, you know, sort of action oriented in terms of, you know, what it wants the viewer to think or to feel or respond to or what have you, you know, my goal is just always to present you know, black people in uh, storytelling in ways that are just, you know, more complex and more nuanced, you know, from drama all the way over to comedy. And, you know, we have varying degrees of success, but that's always the goal, right? To, to, it's not even painting outside the box. It's just going into the box and using all of the things that are available to use in there, you know? I think, and I don't know why it's just now in the advent of 2020, and it may have been happening for a very long time, but I'm just now really starting to see roles within the last few years um, where we are a person as opposed to a Black person. I think of Bridgerton, and that was something interesting to me that Shonda decided to have the the male lead character Black, and a lot of the, and it was just smart. I was like, yeah, why weren't we, you act as if we did not belong until just most recently and we were as a culture alive and well and thriving in different times um i say all that to say your most and it's not your most recent project but you did american refugee Mm -hmm. and i and when i watched i thought this is a family that just so happens to be black right um you know, when I came into that, that, that project and I really enjoyed it, you know, I wish we, uh, you know, as always, you know, you always wish you had this or you wish you had that or you wish you had something else. Um, well, you filmed during uh, the pandemic, so you probably were limited, right? To what you could Yeah, do, I mean, there, no? were, there were definitely challenges in terms of the type of schedule that we had and, you know, and the, uh, uh, the model of the production was something that presented, you know, certain types of challenges. Uh, the Buckmelters who wrote that original script, um, you know, I was brought on board to to direct. So I had some conversations with them initially, you know, in that story, both families were, were white and the story took place, you know, roughly in the Pacific Northwest. And mm-hmm. we actually had to shoot in the southeast. <laughs> so there's no Northwest landscapes in the southeast. So it's like, OK, uh, if we're having a story about the collapse of society that's happening in a physical place that resembles the southeast, there should be some black people. 
<laughs> so we went back and forth about what the nature of those uh, uh, characters could look like and, and what the dynamics could be. What if there's a black person in this family? Could it be the husband, the dad? Should it be the kid? You know, we had all of those kind of conversations and just kind of came out of this space where, you know, we created what I thought was a, a very strong balance of a, of a family that is, you know, tossed into some incredible circumstances and have to, you know, uh, depend on their ingenuity and each other and trust and love to, you know, to get themselves uh, through. So that that's what the exercise was. It was beautiful. Um, any you guys should watch it for the listening. Um, it was with Erica, Erica Alexander, and uh, Derek. What's Derek's last name? It escapes Derek me Luke. right now. Derek, Derek Luke. Luke. I almost said Lamb. That's an actual athlete. So Derek Luke and <laughs> and Erica Alexander. It's available. You can rent it. You can buy it. It's everywhere. Yeah. It was an excellent piece of work. I'm not um, surprised because I think most people, if in, in the industry, would know you from working with Chris Rock and creating some yeah. of our narrating some of our great moments. You worked on the Chris Rock talk show, and then ultimately, yeah. everybody hates Chris, and then ultimately, an animated version coming now. I am curious about the relationship between you and Chris Rock and how that was able to formulate. I couldn't imagine um, walking into a room and talking to someone who I find to be an utter genius and, and having this immediate connection. Because people who, comedians specifically, I think of him and Dave Chappelle, they think differently. They're just on a whole other stratosphere in, where, in the way in which they move. Well, uh, I don't know if you know that I was a stand-up for a number of years. I did uh, know that. Yes. Yeah, so is that I how met you met Chris, Chris? I met Chris when I was doing stand-up. Tell me. So you were doing stand-up? It uh, met Chris in New York in uh, like mid to late '80s, something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and this is before he broke. You know, Chris mm -hmm. was still doing you know late nights at the. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember. You know, we had stand-up New York back then. We had Catch a Rising Star. And Lucian Holds Club. I just can't remember the name of it right now. Was this before um, Chris Rock's stand-up Spike Lee where he was a crackhead? This is before then? Oh, that, before New Jack City. Yeah, this is before New Jack yes. City. Yeah, you yeah, this met is before Chris all Rock of that. Before... Okay. I met, I met broke Chris Rock. <laughs> 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 Let me put it to you like Tell that. Me. I, I met okay, broke Chris I, Rock. I mean, I didn't want to say that. I was going to say something else. But you knew broke Chris Rock. Got it. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. That's how long I've known Chris. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I mean, we met on a club circuit. Uh, I was actually with a comedy group at the time, and I'm from Chicago. And uh, one of the things, uh, you know, I guess we were funny. You know, we we were doing our thing, uh, and you know, Chris was certainly doing his thing, which was fantastic. Uh, but I think one of the things that he found interesting about me was that. Uh, I wasn't from New York. Right. So, you know, he got on the train to come, you know, to the to the comedy clubs in the city. You know, I had to drive a car you know, 800 miles and then hope for the best and all that stuff. Not that he didn't have those sorts of experiences. So, you know, I just think he thought that particular thing was interesting. And then, you know, you, you talk. Right. You know, you talk and, and, and you kind of start to find out, you know, you're kind of interesting. You got these ideas, you know, here's the stuff that you like. Here's what I like. Uh, the next big encounter after meeting Chris that I would have with him was I was uh, on a comedy show. Uh, it was the Miller Lite comedy competition was a big deal uh, back in the day. And um, and it, and I was in that competition on a big show in Chicago at the Park West Theater uh, at the time. 
and uh, Chris was hosting the show. <laughs> and there were like, you know, four comedians, you know, uh, vying for the final prize, or whatever. Chris hosted that show. And, you know, that was just another one of these opportunities where, you know, we got a further chance to, you know, just to connect and, and hang. And, you know, over time, we just kind of, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I get his vibe. You know, he he respects what I do in terms of my writing and where I was coming from in terms of the humor. And, and then just life, you know, you're meeting smart black people, you know, two smart black men who have these wildly varying influences from, you know, Woody Allen to the Marx Brothers and, and, and Monty Python. But then also, you know, Moms Mabley and, and Dick Gregory. And it's exciting to, you know, to have those kind of conversations, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. We, we That's how you uh, all met. Yeah. I have a question about comedians and I have a question mm-hmm. about that, about the, 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 the relationship that I find very fascinating. My, uh, one of my really close friends for a long time, um, worked at NBC and it was a part of their diversity initiative to look for different comedians. And I would oftentimes go with her to the comedy store here in LA where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would see these comedians, these up and coming comedians, and they would go on stage and I didn't, you know, I don't, I didn't know the world, but I, when I see them years, because years later, because it takes 20 years to to be the new hot thing, right? You, you're you right. busting your balls for 10 years and then all of a sudden you pop and they're like, you just popped on the scene. You're like, no, I've been, I've been here. So it was before um, Kevin Hart was Kevin Hart. Um, it was before, you know, and may he rest in peace, David Arnold was really known to a lot of people. And I was always so fascinated in what was the recipe for who I, in terms of when is it your time to pop as a comedian? I'm always fascinated by that. Is it just time and opportunity? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of variables, right? Um, Because, you know, the the time to pop, you, you know, when you're naming three or four comedians, out of the the actual literal so thousands that are available to pick from, you know, even when you rise to the level of being, you know, a known entity, you know, headlining clubs, you know, traveling, maybe making a few television appearances, like that's a that's a, a really incredible plateau to reach, where you're actually, you know, you have a a, a vibrant, alive career as a stand up comedian. That's your job, and if you don't do anything else. If you don't do, if you don't get a sitcom, if you don't get in a movie, you know, you'll still have a career. You still have a life. So that's that's like the baseline of successful comedian. Right. And I think David Arnold is a fantastic example of that. You know, he never necessarily, you know, broke through in the biggest way. But he had some really, you know, great successes. You know, he had a couple of specials. You know, I know he created a show, uh, but his visibility and and his name brand as a comedian, you know, wasn't as big as, uh, you know, of course, as a David or, or a Kevin. But he's got a great life and very successful. So that's one level of it. And in a manner of speaking, even with that level of success, he didn't pop. Correct. <laughs> right? Correct. So that like that never happened. Right. You're but right. on the flip side. You have a, you know, you have a, a Gerard Carmichael, mm-hmm. right, who is kind of a, a, a young phenom. And so the pop happens early, <laughs> right? Oh, there's a guy that's not doing what the other guys are doing in the way that they're doing it. So then it's kind of like all eyes on this sort of unique figure. And to the extent that, you know, he had that moment where he, you know, pops through and burst into the, you know, the vernacular and the conversation about stand up and, and art and creativity. 
he continued on in a way that continued to explore that creativity. What he just did with uh, Rathaniel was amazing. And that's after, you know, like almost 10 years of working in the public eye and then getting to a point where, you know, now I'm actually doing something that, you know, that's going to have a great impact because, you know, it's award winning and it's attacking his material in a way. And, you know, just one more. I just directed uh, um, uh, Laurel's HBO special, oh. which is uh, which is about to Congratulations. air. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And even Rel, like mm-hmm. Rel's, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, you know, he's a recurring figure in a, in a bunch of great movies. We've seen him. He keeps popping up all over the place. He's had two specials. He's been on a number of series. He's had his own series. He was on yeah. the Carmichael's and Rel still hasn't popped. What does that mean? I said it, but what does pop mean? It's the Chris Rock moment that happens when he does, um, bring the pain, right? When Chris does bring the pain, he's been, you know, he's, he's been on a, on a number of shows, you know, he's been in the public eye, he's been in some movies, he's done some things, but as they stand up on that stage in that moment, he comes up with a piece that, you know, like takes the audience by storm. Right. And we also weren't inundated with quite as many comedians and quite as many, you know, uh, outlets for comedy at the time. So, you know, when you got everybody's attention, just like the level that you're working on is is a higher level. But it's not until bring the pain that, uh, you know, that he does a routine, which was the niggas and black people routine. Yeah. It's just like, you know, poof, everybody's head goes like this. After that, yes. In, yes. in my metric, after that, Chris Rock becomes a star. <laughs> but at this point, he's been in New Jack City. He's been in Beverly he's Hills. Been Cop. He's, yeah, he's been in movies. He's no. been on TV. He's working. He's done yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. But he's not yeah. Chris Rock yet. <laughs> okay. So even taking that even out of the comedy realm, what I do, how does, how does, who pops? How does Stephen A become the biggest name in sports? How does Oprah become Oprah? Like, and right. I'm just saying that in theory, because you've been working significantly for so long yeah. is what I'm getting as you're illustrating this to me. And I'm like, no, you're right. I, Tony Rock well, for that matter. Right. Or, or, I, or, or Guy Tory who had, you have a moment and then you, and then, okay, I'm still known. I'm still working. That's my full-time right. job. But what, what then catapults you? Is it, is it just destiny? Is it meant to be? No. How would you describe the differences? It's, it's, you're talking about um, a moment in time, right? Uh, certain performers meet these unique moments in time when what they're doing and how they're doing it meets this moment when what they're doing is just really refreshing, you know, in the space that it lands. And it's also situated so that the most people can access it at the same time, right? It's galvanizing. There are galvanizing moments. Uh, there was a, there was a, a woman who got really popular during the pandemic, uh, Sarah Cooper, a comedian. And, uh, oh, I remember she, she was, she was doing the she Trump was doing lip the syncing. 
Right. Yes. She yes, was lip syncing tropes. Yes. So it's like, oh, okay, there's this incredible moment where this woman has a particular skill, <laughs> right? She uh-huh. has particular access to technology. Everybody's in the house, <laughs> right? And so, you know, suddenly, boom, all eyes make it, you know, oh, we can all look at her at the same time. And then Sarah Cooper gets a career. And we have yet to see you know, how that plays out and what other things she's going to do. I'm sure she's going to do some amazing things. But the pop moment where I got everybody's attention, you can't take that back. So Jeannie's out of the bottle. They all, I know who I know exactly who she is. And even if I don't know her name, I know exactly what she did. And so I'm like, oh, the lip sync Trump girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know her. <laughs> and fame, Correct. fame has everything to do with reach, right? I don't know necessarily what you do. Or I ne- haven't necessarily seen you do it, but I know who you are. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. But then, if if Rail, yeah, if Rail had a moment that's close to popping, is in Get Out <laughs> when he plays Rod, the brother, <laughs> and he's got this amazing moment at the end of the film. Not he's funny during the film, entire film, but he's got an amazing moment at the end of the film. That Rel is stapled into black iconography forever for having this moment in the film. <laughs> we know exactly who that is. What do you do when you have that moment? How? What I'm asking is when Chris Rock in your metric has his moment and and bring the pain. How how does he transition and hold on to that and take it to the next level? Dave Chappelle's moment would be arguably when he had his Comedy Central show, right? The Dave Chappelle show, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and I star to me bona fide disappears, comes back, gets even bigger, right? How does yes. that happen? Right. How do you how do how in your opinion, as a comedian, and I'm not referring to any other occupation, mm-hmm. you're able right. to take these moments and amplify? Well, two two things. Uh, one, uh, you keep doing what you've been doing which is, you know, exercise and working on your craft in the way that you, because that's how you got to the place where you are. But the other thing that occurs is that you garner more trust. Mm. So suddenly the ideas that I, that you might have as a comedian in terms of how to, you know, scale your career, you know, whether it's film or television or whatever other avenues you might go into, um, you know, that's based on the type of ideas you have, right? So if you have good ideas, but what was problematic before is that you couldn't necessarily get support for them because they may have been unique or outside the box. When you prove yourself on one stage, then you get the opportunity to start slowly pushing and expanding into other arenas. That's the Donald Glover story. Mm. (laughs) Right. So Donald Glover has done sketches on YouTube. You know, he's done he's done music, but he came about in a slightly different uh, era because advances in technology allowed him to step into the space without the ask, so to speak. He could put sketches up on YouTube without calling YouTube and asking them, is it okay? Will you support this? It's like, no, just put it up there, whatever you got, you know, and if, if you get eyeballs, you get eyeballs, you know, but that's not our problem. That's up to you. But he got eyeballs <laughs> because he's talented. And, you know, he's a great com- comic actor, but he's also a great comedian. And, oh, shit, he's a great musician. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. He can act. He can write. He can do all of these things. And so he was always capable of that. I- but the trust and the support don't always come until you make an impact that makes somebody think, well, maybe we should follow that guy. Okay. What I'm hearing 
is that you have a moment where it registers with everyone and you then become for whatever the moment is you can put the you can quantify the time whatever you want a month two months three months a summer a pandemic whatever then now right. that you have that you have to continue to use the leverage that you have because people now know you and then you have to trust or they have to trust you that you'll still take that to the next level all the ideas that you had all the creativity that you had all of those things that have been waiting that you've mm-hmm. been waiting for. You're like, ah, now I'm known. Let's push all this through. And the talent then right. is separated from everyone else because everyone will have their moment, their viral moment. But then that's when we really know who will have the longevity, who will have their time. Right. I mean, I've worked with, you know, um, you know, I worked with Bernie Mac for a number of years and Bernie Mac's success didn't come until late. Um you know, even when he got on on Def Jam, Bernie had a moment that popped. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> Bernie popped. Yeah. <laughs> At the time when Bernie pops, Bernie has do, been doing stand up for, you know, 15 years. Something Correct. like that. Yeah, overnight pops, success. Right? Yeah. The overnight success of right. 15 years. Yes. But then. Yeah. Because he's such a unique character in the space of comedy, he runs into brick wall after brick wall. When people who don't necessarily appreciate who he is, what he does or how he does it, they try to put him in a box and tailor what he does to what they want. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Right. Bernie Mac's got to be Bernie Mac. So until he gets to a space where he's able to do that thing, you know, uh, you know, he keeps working. Now he's selling out theaters and touring and doing the whole thing. He's not, you know, he's not losing no money, you know, being a comic. <laughs> but the industry at large hasn't necessarily found a way you know, to embrace and execute something that works for him Mm. because that's what it's got to do at the end of the day. Even if you enjoy it, it's got to be something that I can sustain. Mm. I can't, you know, the, the first Ellen sitcom can't sustain because she's being wholly dishonest about the character that she's playing. And as a comedian, dishonesty is the kiss of death. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't be funny. I, you know, I can get you some chuckles, (laughs) <laughs> but I can't get you the realest joke that you're going to get because I'm lying to you about who I am. Yeah. And that I think is true for my business. Authenticity, I think for anybody nowadays, wins the day, right? If you really want to be successful. I mean, I'm sure there are some phony successes. Well, it, it does in the space of storytelling and human interaction. If you're talking about the connection between people and items, maybe not necessarily, you know. But storytelling. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the story is. Yeah, yeah yes. no, but storytelling and human interaction, 100%. Okay, yeah. fair. I have I have to believe when you're telling me presenting characters or stories or jokes or whatever it is. You know, I want to I'm I'm looking for my reflection. I'm looking for where I see myself. I'm looking for where I, you know, the experiences that I have are being shared. No, that's how we, you know, come together, whether it's around, you know, crying or or, or laughing. You know, it's these intersections where you go, oh, yeah, 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 I I experienced that. And if I didn't experience, can you present it to me in a way that I can imagine myself in that scenario? Correct. Right. Which is, again, the skill of comedian, because comedians don't get to. Uh, tell you the joke and then go, oh, you had to be there. No, my job is to bring you there. You there, you there. All right, so I'm going to stop right there. I know you are on the edge of your seat or you're driving in your car and you're like, why, Carrie, why? Well, we got to pay the bills. A young lady has to pay the bills. We're back in a moment. Hit that fast forward button like two times. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's it. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is gonna make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion, that girl you did it, got a champion and carry champion and carry champion.
Welcome back to Naked. Ali's here giving us all the information we need to be successful creatives, but more importantly, he gives me a lesson in empathy. You talk about storytelling um, and, and human interaction. You're, you are on Everybody Hates Chris Rock, or Everybody Hates Chris. Um, and mm-hmm. everyone, I mean, it's a hit. Did you know you yeah. had a hit right away? I mean, I, I knew I liked what we were doing. You know, me and Chris are looking at stuff and, you know, and he's laughing and, you know, and, and and liking the way that we're going about telling the story and liking the sorts of jokes that we're coming up with. And, you know, he's pulling stories from his past and, you know, and to the extent that I'm able to, you know, sprinkle my touch on certain characters and scenes and scenarios. You know, we're doing what we feel good and what we feel strongly about. Right. But we're coming from very sort of specific places. Plus, the two of us have a relationship. So that made, you know, that made creating the music a little bit easier. Uh, but hit, uh, you know, I mean, you know, it was, it was good. <laughs> some people, but some people feel like they know they have a hit. I've heard this before. Some people are like, that got something so good. This is about to pop. Da, da, da. And then you didn't know. What did you feel good about? Um, I felt good about being able to, you know, to be funny and working with a guy that I love working with and, and creating some characters that I thought were cool. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not as uh, I don't necessarily have that commercial sensibility. You know, certain people think in terms of, of constructing, it's like, this is going to be a hit. And a lot of times it can be very, very correct. You know, I remember listening to uh, somebody talk about a song by Tyler, the creator. Um, I forget the, the one, but, but he literally said that, you know, he's writing this song with the intention of this is the song where at the concert, people are going to wave the lighters back and forth. Like he knows that before he even writes the song. I want one of those. Right. So even in going into the construction, he's trying to hit certain, you know, uh, 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 marks and certain types of emotions, the way the chords are constructed, like just the exact feeling that I'm looking for, as opposed to what I think we were kind of doing with Chris is going, we're just expressing the ideas that we have. And then, you know, they're being responded to in a particular way and and it happens to to work and it happens to, you know, to connect with people and not to say that we couldn't be, you know, more intentional about attempting to do that. But again, the the connection comes from, you know, literally like it's coming from the heart, like we're really in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I see my mother. I, I, I see mm-hmm. my dad. You know, he mm-hmm. sees his mother, his dad, his little brother, and his sister. I know that block. I know what it's like to not have this money. All of these things. I, I, oh, I think, uh, oh, and that's just what I'm taking away. This is my takeaway. Um, is just being true to self, doing something you enjoy, but be, definitely be, being true, being as a storyteller, because I am a storyteller as well, but just in a very different way. I, I want to know what is the creative process for you as a writer, as a director, as an actor, as a comedian. When you, and I'll go back to American Refugee, you come onto the project and and I think this is even particularly interesting for um, my producer, Jacquees, because she is a writer and a director too, right? It's like, I, I, I hear her creative spirit turning in here. Um, <laughs> is there a routine? Is there a superstition? Athletes like to wear the same socks if they keep winning, right? Is there something that you do when beginning every single project that that makes you 
get into this creative space? Uh, no. Mm. Um, well, the, the first thing I do is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? What does that well, mean? Uh, just, just my personal, uh, you know, I, and I might, I might be lying, but I don't think I am. Um, <laughs> I think I'm lying, but it's, not it's, really. But I don't think I am. Okay. Uh, I, I think, mm-hmm. I think that it's mostly about for me. Um, you know, I got, I got a, I, I have something that I have to do, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm obsessing over it. What do I do about this? What do I do about that? What do I do about this other thing? What does this look like? What does that look like? And it's all thought. It's all abstract. The most, the single most important thing for me to do when I'm beginning to write any project is after I get done obsessing about, you know, all of these ideas and how they can, cannot, might or might not work, I'll sit down at the computer and then. It's those first few words, interior house day. And then you just start writing down that people are doing stuff, you know, and, and once that happens, you know, once you crack that eggshell, it's knowing it's never going back together again. So once I break that shell of creativity and I start to kind of dive into that now, when I sit down, I don't have to start from scratch. I can pick up from a moment. I can explore things. You know, sometimes I'm writing and I'll stop and I'll start, you know, I'll start looking up something. I'll go into a deep research dive, you know, trying to figure out what type of shoes people wear, you know, when they're walking on the snow and where do you get those from and how does that inform story? And you just start going off on all these uh, uh, tangents. But for me, it's the that that time spent thinking about it. Then I got to sit down put something on the page. And once I put something on the page, that kind of opens up the the floodgates. Mm. And the second part of that is you don't stop until you're done. Um, that was a thing early on. I, I remember talking with uh, John Ridley, who I'm, you know, if I could, if, if you know, if, if, you, if you said, okay, gun to your head, you got to trade careers with somebody, <laughs> you know, I just, I love, I love, I love John's work. Uh, and one of the things that, that, uh, you know, we had a conversation about early on is that he's very prolific as a, as a writer. Uh, but one of the things, uh, you know, we discussed early on was that finish, you know, don't, once you start going forward, don't go backwards. And, you know, you're on page 35. Don't go back to page two trying to fix stuff. Just keep going. Mm. <laughs> right. Because you got to redo it anyway. And and the more you work through it, it's almost like working on your body when you're writing, you know, the ideas and the language and the scenes and stuff starts to develop as you're working through the piece. <laughs> right. So what I had on page one, by the time I get to page, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or whatever it is, the ideas are starting to develop. Right. And once they start to take some shape and they start to get, you know, like some contours and that starts to happen. Right. Just go all the way through and finish it. And then you start go back. And that's almost kind of like working on form. Right. What is that? Oh, you mean as if you were an athlete working form, on form. like literal yeah. form. Wow. So. So, you know, like if you're lifting weights, you might be doing your curls one way and you're going to get strong. But then when you are refining, you start to isolate, you start to really be very, very specific about what you're putting into the work and how you're constructing it. Are you doing these movements slow? Do you twist your wrist this way to get this effect or that way to get that effect? Those are all things that you kind of put into the writing. You know, once you have a foundation under your feet, 
then you can start to explore ideas and you can start to inform characters, come up with funny stuff, make decisions about, oh, we need a funny moment in the film right now. Makes sense. You know. Makes sense. Now I'm doing the title of the creator thing. I got the foundation. I know what I'm trying to do, but at this moment, I need this to happen. It makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. I understood that just perfectly. How do you do it? You just talked about you are, you did Little Rails, you directed his, his, his special. Mm -hmm. That has to be different than, than writing an episode of Everybody Hates Chris. It's incredibly different. Uh, And in this particular case, it was, it was, I mean, first of all, you know, I, I love Rel and, you know, and he's a fantastic comedian and his creative process is, is unique. And so, uh, and decidedly different than Chris. So, you know, I've worked with Chris before. I haven't directed any specials, but, you know, uh, you know, he's done a number of them and I've, you know, been with him uh, alongside, you know, some other great writers. When Chris is performing and preparing one of his standup specials, he goes out on the road, he works his material, you know, he'll bring a a, a group of uh, writers and comedians out that he respects and thinks are funny and, you know, we'll give him notes or ideas and he'll take this idea and take that idea, you know, and polish up around the edges. Chris is 95% of his act, but every now and again, he gets one killer line or one killer tag or one great concept from one of his, you know, great comedian and writer friends and he'll integrate that material. Uh, but by the time you see Chris's stand-up special, yeah, I'm saying that he could do it with his head cut off. <laughs> like, like he knows what it is. You know, he's a well-oiled machine at that point. Mm-hmm. Rel, on the other hand, uh, for me was much more jazz-like, right? Like he came into his special with mm-hmm. what I consider is almost like, like a chord progression, right? He's like, he, he knows he has this idea, he has that idea. He, and these are all, you know, routines that he has, you know, performed some version of at a point in time. But the, the shows as we see them have not been rehearsed, you know, from point A to point B. So when I'm shooting them for him, like, I don't know what he's about to do next because I haven't heard the material. Hmm. Why do you call <laughs> but, it like jazz? Why do you call it like jazz? What do you mean? Well, because in jazz, you have to listen. You have to listen. Jazz is a conversation between the musicians, right? So what the drummer and the bass player are doing in conjunction with how the piano is forming the chords and what is happening inside the melody at that point in time, you think that it's just this constructed piece that anybody can sit down and play, but it's not. Mm. And it's never going to be the same if you take four more musicians and give them the same chords and tell them to play the same song. It's going to come out entirely different unless they just copy it. (laughs) So the jazz is I'm watching I'm watching what he's doing with his body. And if, if, uh, you know, we shot two particular shows that that uh, the night that we shot his special. And so I get a peek at it. The first show, I have no idea what he's saying, by the way, because I'm watching Right. I'm hearing him say words. I'm watching his body. And that's the conversation. So in this case, the watching is the listening, so to speak. Mm. You know, I know that he's about to do something based on what he's doing with his body. I know that when he walks back to this side of the stage, it's got to turn around and come back to the other side. So I can anticipate some of his movements just based on where he is on the stage. Right. And then if he has certain ideas, a certain physicality, I can anticipate that he might do this or he might do that. But I, I have to pay attention 
I, there's no resting on my laurels that, oh, oh, he's about to do the bit and he's going to talk about the puppy. So get ready, camera three, to go to the on three, two, one, and bam. I, I can't do that. Literally in the middle of one of his shows, there's a wonderful, uh, there's a whole riff, and you'll see it. Uh, Rail goes into a whole thing about Lean On Me, uh, the movie. Uh, big moment in the show. Really, really funny. Really, really great. He had no intention of doing it on that night, but somebody yelled something mm. when he was in the middle of one routine. And then he took a detour <laughs> into a whole other routine. And that didn't, that only happened on that one show. So, you know, I was like, oh, what the, what's, what's this? I don't like what's going on here. <laughs> but you don't get to panic. You got to stay in it. So, yeah, you got to listen. You got to hear where it's going. You got to feel it. And you got to be in tune with, uh, you know, with your creative partners when this happens. And it's not different with actors or anything else. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by the jazz analogy. I am fascinated listening to you say that you have to watch. Your watching rail is listening as opposed to what it would be for someone else. When I'm interviewing someone, I have to listen. Otherwise, I'm not paying attention. And I don't, and I can't engage and pick up on things. So I understand the listening aspect slash watching for you with Rail. What, I, what I'm curious about, though, God, I would be, fr- I would be, like, if I'm used to directing in a way in which I know what's coming, and I'm like, okay, camera three, get ready. We're going to bring up camera three. Like, I would be so nervous if I had to watch him in order to direct. Was that the first time that you've ever had to do that? Or is it something that you've dealt with before? That's a conditional yes. Uh, so actually, this is my first time shooting a stand-up special. Uh, but I've done a lot of multicam directing work. But in the creative space of the listening and the the, the creating on the moving train, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Um, I'm a fan of chaos, mm-hmm. right? Me too. I, no, literally, I I am. Me too. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan, and what I mean by that is, um, I'll put it to you like like this. So, uh, my favorite genre of film is the the heist movie, right? Robbers get together, they're gonna rob a bank or a thing or whatever it is. But to me, the best part in the heist movie is when the plan falls apart and everybody's got to run. So when when that happened, it just kind of speaks to this idea of that when all of your plans go out the window, oh wait, I'm in a very exciting part of town. Like you're about to give me this hot take. Here come the ambulance to take you away, but we not ready, fire trucks. He about to give it to me Hey, listen, uh, Carrie... It's been, it's been nice. I, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that 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 moment when when sort of all hell breaks loose and, and how do you how do you maintain focus in that moment? What's the most important thing to do? Like, I kind of I kind of love the creativity and and like sort of that explosion of that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just like that it's kind of a high wire act and it's kind of exciting and it all of your senses kind of everything all turn everything on, everything. <laughs> like literally turn every everything on. And so um, I had a, a different experience with the same sort of thing. Uh, I shot um, uh, Kevin was doing the Real Husbands of Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, last year and I did a couple episodes with him and you want chaos? Get 
JB Smoove and, and Nelly and you know and, and Kevin Hart and you know and, and Dwayne Martin is there and and Boris and they have a loose idea of what's going to be said. <laughs> and JB Smoove is amazing, uh, but you know I can't trust JB to say the exact same line the exact same way twice. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, like you gotta really kind of have a sense of how you think this is supposed to work, and you can't be afraid. When it's, you know, does what it does. I think of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like if you mm-hmm. directed that, would that be very similar to, you oh, don't yeah. know where they're um, going to go. It's whatever it is, when it is, what it is. Well, what they have is, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really good friends with uh, Jeff Garland. We go way back to Chicago. And, uh, you know, and Jeff is like, you know, they, they get their bullet pointed outline, the, the dialogue is not scripted, although they know what the scenes are supposed to be. Right. And so, you know, to the extent that they play them in whatever way that they go. But now, again, that's that's jazz because we go, here's what's supposed to happen in this scene. And, you know, we're going to block it loosely in this way and get some sort of parameters. And that's chord structure. These are the lines that we're painting inside or along. And then we, you know, we dive in. You know, I'm sure if you went and looked at, you know, two or three different cuts, I mean, I bet that you could go into any Curb Your Enthusiasm episode and cut an entirely different episode of could. the same episode. I bet you could. <laughs> I bet you could. You Because said- in jazz, they have that. They have the, you know, they got take number two, take number three, same uh-huh. song, entirely different performance. My mind is blown creatively. I You said something that I, I remember the first time I've ever heard it. Michael Jackson, when he was filming This Is It. And he passed away and it never, ever really, he wasn't able to see its Mm -hmm. fruition. But the directors were like, Michael, when do you think you'll hit the third button and turn here and moonwalk (laughs) and do that? And he was like, I don't know when I feel it. Just when I feel it. When you feel it, feel it with me. And the director was like, with British accent, okay. Like you could tell the director was like, I don't know what the hell this man's talking about. But he said (laughs) Feel it. And that registered so deeply with me as someone who is in front of the camera. I'm, I know when it's right. I feel it. I know right. when I say it right. I know when the inter- interview feels good. And I also know when it ain't, when it ain't sh- quite frankly. So right, 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 right. I also know that. <laughs> so I'm right. not, I mean, you try to save it. You're like, this is, this is some trash. Um, yeah. So when you say you feel it, I am, I'm, I'm a fan of being inspired by creatives and I'm, I'm inspired by this moment because it truly is something that is instinctive and it truly separates the super talented from those who are somewhat talented. Just how you go about entrusting your instinct. Um, I am a fan of chaos, but you trust what you trust, what you feel. It sounds like you trust in that moment, what feels right. Well, it, and there's, a, there's the exercise. So, now, here's a sports analogy for you. Okay. If LeBron James is averaging 27 points a game, what that means is eh, some days he might hit 50. Some days he might hit 60. There are other days he might, you know, only get 10 points for some odd reason. But what you can probably count on is 27. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. that's his base level of playing if all the systems are functioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to get 27 points out of mm-hmm. uh, and, and that is in whatever the circumstances of the competition are. 
because that's the amount of training that he has, his, you know, whatever the instincts are, he brings it to it, whatever the practice is that he's brought to it. So, you know, your ability in a moment, uh, like Rel, to have somebody yell out a thing, which is not a part of your performance, put that in your Rolodex and spit back out in a tenth of a second, a whole routine that I had no intention of doing. That's also not going to derail my path as I try and make it to the end of the show, because this was not a stop I planned to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I'm done with that, then I kind of guide it back around <laughs> to where I was before. Sure. And I, I have a magic moment that occurred, but I also have a skill set mm -hmm. that allows me to, to, to embrace the unexpected without fear. Because I know that I have the ability to bring things back to where I need them. I can reset in real time. <laughs> real You'll talk. never even know what happened. Real talk. <laughs> Absolutely. And Absolutely. so that that's the there's some instinct involved, but but your but your training and your practice, your methodology and your dedication to the craft are what allow you to act on your instincts with efficiency. Mm. I yo. I, you're speaking my language. I, I'm, I want to, I you're, we're talking computer talk to one another, whatever it is, our computers are talking to one another. You said something yeah, yeah. and I have to go back. Um, and it okay. reminds me of something I saw that on your Instagram, you're from Chicago. I am clearly well-respected work, very gainfully employed in this entertainment business opinions regarded your, 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 they love it, what you do in your craft. You're just casually mentioned, you know, it's interesting. I directed a few episodes of, you know, uh, Hollywood husbands of Hollywood. I, I don't know. What is the name of the title they have? Hollywood husbands, real husbands of Hollywood, real husbands of Hollywood. I had a girlfriend who yeah. Angela Rye was on there a couple of episodes. Um, I, have, I shot Angela Rye. Okay. Have, yeah. Uh, an amazing because uh, I'm a photographer also. <laughs> uh, and I have a, I actually have an incredibly beautiful photo of Angelo uh, from behind the scenes uh, that one day I'll, I'll put up somewhere. Most, uh, <laughs> most directors I have met are beautiful photographers. I like people who really enjoy that. I, I peep the capturing of it all. But OK, I, I digress. And then you mentioned Little Rel and we always know you were Chris. So I'm listening to you talk and talk and talk. And you say you're from Chicago. And there's this uh -huh. creativeness that there is a, I almost feel like, well, I mean, I'm, and I might be, is everywhere, but I, when I do meet people from Chicago who live in this, like a J.I.V. and they live in this world or. Right, right. And, and there's just like this, this close knit group of y'all. Y'all like be from the shy and da 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 da. It's a gang and can't nobody get in. I get it. But um, <laughs> your thoughts, considering how where you are of our culture, how you how you try to make sure you put black people in a in a space where you see our humanity, because we're not seen as humans by and large, sometimes. Yeah. Most times. Your thoughts on Kanye? Uh, I mean they're not particularly complicated. Um I have to believe that what he has told us about himself is true. Um, all things being equal, what I feel like I have experienced uh, by way of his his work and and his you know interactions with the public, uh, I've always kind of felt like he was a guy, and maybe we didn't even necessarily understand it before. Um, 
he may say or do things that, you know, in the creative space are, are, are groundbreaking and, you know, boundary pushing and in the personal and human space might be, you know, offensive or outrageous. Uh, but what I do believe about him is that he does believe that what he's saying is true. And I also believe that he does not have any desire to to harm anyone uh, emotionally, physically, or anything else. I do believe that um, he is a person who has certain compromises. You know, he has told us that he is bipolar and he has told us that he has issues around, you know, the, the medications that he's supposed to take. And to the extent that we accept that that is true, but that we don't know the truth of how that plays out in his life. All I would say is we have a responsibility to trust what we have seen. Basically, if you were a raging alcoholic, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to give you is a drink, right? I'm not going to bring you into a bar and ask you to chill and hang out in there. And I'm not absolving Kanye of anything, but I do believe that if the damage that he has done has been by way of the platforms that he's been given to speak on things that we disagree in the way that he talks about them, they quit giving him a microphone. Right. So whether it's, you know, whether it's, it's drink champs or whether it's Tucker Carlson or, or ABC or whoever else it is, you know, that's it's not different. And I'm going to say something that I feel like is kind of crazy here, but. You know, it's not different from a sexual assault in the sense that if a woman is drunk, what we're saying is that her ability to her judgment is compromised. And so what we don't want is to put her in a position, a position where the decisions that she's going to make or the things that she's going to do are going to put her in danger because we understand that she's compromised. Right. We don't absolve them wholly of being in that space because we go, well, you are an adult and you should have an idea of what the consequences of your actions are. However, once you do the thing that compromises your ability to make sound judgments, we take that into consideration. So if I knew before you came in the door that, oh, here comes Kanye, he's liable to say something crazy. He said something crazy last week and you know he might say something crazy next week. I'm going to do a lot of things with you, but I'm not going to hand you a microphone and go, what do you think? And, and, and I, so I'm going to say, well, I'm no just say one last thing. Yeah. As a black man. Uh, looking at another black man who has reached some astounding creative, you know, uh, uh, heights you know, as in business, you know, persona and everything else. You know, I'm enamored of, of, of everything that he's done. And I also have a great deal of concern for the way uh, his health is being handled. Mm. Unfortunately, you know, if he's not a billionaire now, there's still $300 million in the bank. And it's hard to tell a guy with $300 million what to do. It's just difficult. If we could do that, Michael Jackson would still be alive. Amen. Hey, Mike, hold on. Don't use propofol to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why don't That's you exercise and drink yeah. some tea? Yeah. yeah. If anybody could stop him. And so the amount of power that comes with that amount of money is difficult to, to stop a grown man from doing what he wants to do. But I have empathy. I have concern. I hope that he is able to find a way to address his health. In front of our eyes, 
he's having something that 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 looks like incredible challenges with his help and his ability to communicate his ideas. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't way. absolve him, though, correct? And are it does you, not absolve him. But it, you're, it sounds like you're saying there are other people culpable in this. If you put this man, you know, he's clearly not well, but yet you give him a microphone yes. and you ask him to talk. He is not singularly responsible for what he has done. There are there are people who are complicit. There are networks, there are outlets that are complicit. Yes. You can't invite you can't invite a person who is known to do things in a particular way that tends to offend people in an episode where that's precisely what he's doing. You invite him onto a platform, he does that, you get mad, then you kick him off the platform because he did it. I crashed the car into a wall before I got in here. Then I borrowed your car, crashed your car. Then you're like, why did you crash my car? Like, because you loaned it to me. I just crashed the car a minute ago. That's what I do. I, I can't cars. drive. Yeah, I can't drive. And you know that. <laughs> you knew that when you gave me this car. I, I just crashed the car. Yeah. <laughs> There's a beautiful moment in uh, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Denzel and Don Cheadle. Uh, great Walter Mosley movie book, you know. And... Uh, uh, Denzel's character, Easy Rollins, goes into a building. They come to interrogate somebody and Easy leaves Mouse, that's Don, to uh, look after this guy, to keep an eye on him. And then he goes into the house. He comes back out. By the time he comes back out, Mouse has killed him. <laughs> and Easy like, like, why did you do that? He's like, I'm Mouse. You know what I do. You left him with me. What'd you expect? <laughs> Facts. That's your fault. What'd you expect? That's your fault. And so to, to, to that end, I do feel like uh, I do feel like we do have some culpability in that way that Kanye is in charge of his mouth. But a lot of people are in charge of the platforms where he's shooting his mouth off. And so. At least we could wholly and totally blame him if he got on a corner with a megaphone and just started shouting stuff. <laughs> and, and it's like, OK, well, you know, what, what are we going to do? He's out on you know 35th Street with a megaphone saying he hates the Jews. <laughs> okay, but that's not what happened. So uh, you know, I'm again. It's a he's a whole person. There's humanity there. There's an experience there, uh, and I don't wish for him to continue to be in these spaces where we can't see through to the amazing ideas and and his amazing accomplishments because of the ways in which he's compromised around his ability to express them in a way that doesn't offend and doesn't repulse and doesn't repel, you know, even when it's difficult subject matter, mm. you know, he doesn't quite seem to be able to present his ideas in a way that allows um, us to engage earnestly, mm. you know, we're feeling triggered, you know, amongst other things. And mm -hmm. so whether that's, you know, DEFCON 3 or whether that's the like White Lives Matter shirt, mm. you know, it, nobody, no one's getting spared. <laughs> Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy, 
and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it, y'all. Here's my thought. When mm-hmm. when people who have a platform such as yourself, I don't know if it's the right word, black thought leaders, um, people who want to present and show our humanity and who we are, all the things, all the things, right? Ooh, I I mm-hmm. wonder, Ali, do we do you ever do you ever feel like it is your responsibility? to save someone like Kanye, to save someone, to to save a particular industry, to talk about, you just saw 
you know, another death in the rap industry and you think another person was murdered. Is it our responsibility culturally to protect our own? Well, again, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, you're talking about adults. And you're talking about adults who have the means to move about the country freely, you know, if not the world. And so you're you're going to be challenged again around attempting to stop, you know, a, a, a multimillionaire, dare I say a billionaire, from doing what he wants to do. Um, however, while we may not be able to stop a person from doing a thing, you know, we can refuse to participate. And the refusal to participate uh, is is the power that we have. If if in fact what we want is to be of some aid or some assistance or help or give some insight or guidance or whatever it is, we're trying to keep the train on the tracks. Mm-hmm. We kind of treat the train on the tracks, then lock the conductor booth and don't let this guy <laughs> that's going to drive the train off the tracks get in there and get his hands on the wheel. Hmm. Just just sit down for a minute. If I if I run Adidas and Kanye said something crazy, I could go, hey man, you what is what are you doing? All right, dude, listen. Um, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the way that you're doing. I do love the business that we have together, but if you continue on in the way that you are, we are going to have problems. I see them coming. So what we're gonna do right now <laughs> is I'm gonna give you a couple of options. Do this, don't do that, say this, don't say that, and not to to make someone, you know, bow down or, or anything like that, but just to have some acknowledgement around, are you going to, can you admit at the bare minimum that you're having some challenges right now? But I, why? And that we, maybe this isn't the best way. Why or, is it, why is he now canceled? And then this might be a different, why is he now canceled, quote unquote, in theory, uh, after his attack on Jewish people in Adidas, and he wasn't counseled when he said slavery was a choice. Why? Why is it that the disrespect of our community is always overlooked? And we all know if you say anything about another community and you Jewish people, you we all know you just don't go there if you want to continue to thrive in this world. I'm not saying their struggle is or there or the Holocaust was less important than slavery. I'm not doing that because right now there's a major battle going on between black people and Jewish people. And it's so uncomfortable that we have to, we have to compare traumas. I don't want to do that. But what I am saying is how come he wasn't, in your opinion, shut down after that? Why did the world not jump up? Why did Adidas not say, uh, that was too much for me, Kanye. Why did Kim say, you know what? This is enough. I need to distance myself from you at, at that moment. All right. So you're asking a couple of things. And, and one of them is wrapped around this idea of why is it that he can speak out, you know, in a particular way about the experiences of black people and not uh, have the same vitriol. those words impact, you know, his, his business and his career in the same way that uh, it does, you know, if he speaks ill of the Jewish community. And I would dare say it does, but it doesn't look the same. Mm, okay. We have, we have different powers. Okay. Right? So 
Uh, in the middle, you have a man who has a lot of ideas and likes to sell us stuff. <laughs> right. And on one end of the end of the equation, you have a group of people who can make that happen. They can manufacture and distribute and advertise and promote all of the things that he wants to sell. He can make those things real. And on the other side of the equation, you have the people who are supposed to spend their money on those things. <laughs> right. So. If he says an offensive thing or hurts the feelings or, or runs afoul of the people who are supposed to buy the thing, then. It's the responsibility of the people who are supposed to buy the thing. OK, if that's the statement they want to make to stop buying the thing. Mm -hmm. My statement to you is you can say whatever you want. Slavery was a choice. Well, your sneakers are still at the store. <laughs> that's my response to slavery is a choice. OK, well, good. Also, so is not buying easy. So I'm going to do that. We don't agree. Right. And on the other side of the equation, he can go. Uh, Jewish people did X, Y, Z. And I disagree with that. And they go, OK, well, you can disagree with me, but I'm also not going to make your shoes or sell your records. Mm. So, you know, if you can find somebody else to do it, different go right powers, ahead. Different powers. You know, if the, if, if the black people who are mad at you about. Whatever you said about uh, 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 them continue to buy your stuff, then why should I quit making it and selling it to them? <laughs> Conversely, <laughs> if the people who are uh, making the stuff, yeah. you know, are, are being offended by whatever it is that he said, well, you know, that's that's their thing to deal with in the way. So maybe our maybe our maybe we're having some envy, maybe a little bit of jealousy. Because the ways in which we think we'd like to be able to shut something down looks like it's happening in one space. And we think that we don't have the power, the ability to make it happen in our own space. Uh, and that's not entirely true. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think what we're looking for more often than not is empathy. Mm. You know, it's not about him being canceled. It's about wanting to feel like you give a shit mm -hmm. about what, what what's happening with me, mm -hmm. you know. Nobody's going to win the battle of who had it worst, right? No one. Because <laughs> all of the dead, all of the dead people are dead. Correct. <clears throat> right. Correct. All of the people who suffered and have scars and have gone through things that are, you know, horrible things to go through. All of those people have gone through those things. So in the space of the human experience, you know, we don't necessarily want for any of those people to have had to have, have, have gone through that. Um, and the extent to which, again, I empathize or sympathize with what your experience was. And then, you know, however I you know, uh, engage with you as, as a result of that, is there dignity, is there, is there respect, is there concern, and is there effort to see that never happens again, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so that's all. I just think that a lot of people uh, have knee-jerk reactions to these sorts of things. I do think they're big. I do think they're important. Um, has Kanye been canceled? Eh, okay. Know. Yeah, well, I mean, I he's know. having a rough moment. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know? I don't know. And if he sits I, I down, know. I don't if he know. sits down for a minute, you know, I, I don't know the answer to the question, but I do know sometimes you got to give people a minute. I will tell you that I do believe our culture, black folks in particular, are very forgiving. I mean, I we're incredibly forgiving. We live in a whole country where people have been trying to kill us since we've been here and we stayed. It was incredibly, and we, we every week we got to forgive something. Every week we got to forgive somebody. We if black people as a culture day. and as a people have to have the biggest hearts, have the most empathy, have the most endurance. I dare say more than everybody else. I agree. Is it? And sometimes I often ask myself, is it too much? Are we doing too much? No. 
Why? Never. Why? You know, I'm I'm going I'm going to be the crazy guy, and I and I you're not crazy. This. You you giving me a message? Go ahead. I'm writing it down, taking notes. <laughs> you're not crazy. L- love is stronger. Love is stronger than hate. It just is. Okay. It's very very simple. If two people are tasked with doing a a thing that they love or b a thing that they hate. Which thing do you think they're going to be able to do longer? We can't. We you can't get tired of hating people. Yeah, hating people gets exhausting. Yo. It's like, damn. No, I've been I've been mad at some people in my life, and at some Yo. people, at, at some point, it just gets exhausting. It's like, damn, why was I mad at you? What'd you do? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I think even if, the, even if you didn't forget, sometimes it's like, all right, shit. That, it's that was it's a lot of work ago. to stay mad. It's a lot of work to stay angry. It's a lot of work to stay mad. And we don't have it as a people, as a culture. I mean, we, yeah, and, so, and sometimes we got to hand it off. Sometimes we got to go keep an eye on that guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm too tired to stay mad at him, but you guys pick up the torch and don't let up the heat on this person. But but anger as a means to an end, I don't think is as effective or as efficient as, you know, endeavors of, of love, so to speak. So even if the goal of you know, uh, 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 keeping the eye on the prize, so to speak, you know, even if there's something that is difficult to, uh, you know, maintain about whatever that challenge is, the reason that you're doing it, if it comes from a place of, of care and love and concern and connection, you know, uh, then chances are you're going to stand a much better, you know, the odds are much better of you, you know, completing this task than, than failing at it. You know, Bin Laden blew up the buildings they down. He's dead. And now, now we're doing some other stuff. We built a new building and you're gone. And I'm sorry that that happened. And yeah, and now we will carry on without you. Well, if I had a choice between loving and hating, which one would I do? I would love because it's easier. <laughs> I need you yeah, to remind you me would. of that when I stay angry. <laughs> As I wrap up this interview, because you you okay. sitting on my heart, because I'm all like, well, I'm angry, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I do. I, I get mad. I get mad all the time. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But you know, uh, um, this is you know now I'm off in psychology, but but anger is a secondary emotion, right? Anger comes after hurt. Yeah. Right. So. You know, after after I've been hurt or compromised or diminished in some way, shape or form, yeah. the response that I have to that is that I want that thing to stop. Whatever the pain, whatever the discomfort, whatever I'm feeling from this thing, this person, this event that is making me feel less than that is causing me whatever this pain. I hate it because I want it to stop. So my goal is to make the thing stop. Yeah. But that happened first. I don't just, you know, up and walk into a clothing store and see a pair of jeans and go, I hate those. (laughs) Nobody does that. (laughs) Hate is compared to something else. It's compared to an experience that you had that was great. That was something that you wanted to be a part of. And whatever causes the hate is the polar opposite of that. And you just want it to stop. Okay. I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast when I'm in in an angry (laughs) mood and I'm hateful. Uh, any projects that I need to to talk up about before you go? I know you just said you're doing Royals Comedy Special. Where is that? Is it on Netflix? 
Uh, it will be on HBO starting uh, tomorrow. Today is November. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It'll be this weekend. November 12th is when it premieres. OK, on, uh, this HBO. podcast airs on a Monday. So great. People will have the opportunity to see it by then. If not, I'll definitely tell them to check it out. Um, I okay. appreciate your wisdom and more importantly, your um, your kindness. Oh, it's just a you. reminder for us to be kind in okay. a world that sometimes doesn't feel very kind. Uh, Ali, you're great. You're just great. Thank I you. love it. I'm going to call Chloe and tell her, guess who I talked to and he was just great. <laughs> this is great. Uh, you know, it's cool. That picture on the wall behind you, uh, there's a guy that put out an album with mm. that same photograph. Really? Who? Uh, I, I, I don't remember his name. I think it's Adam something. You want to hear something uh, interesting? Jazz musician. Yeah. This 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 photo, I went to this, this guy's a hotel, like I was shooting a project with a really good friend of mine named Jason Kennedy. And we went to the home of one of his friends who was a, a billionaire, white guy. And he had this in his house, like life size. And it was so powerful for those at home who can't see it. And it was like, what if, you know, and he knew the photographer who captured this years ago before it was the racial reckoning of 2020. And years ago, and he just was like, if you if this shocks you, imagine what it really was like. It shouldn't shock you. The reverse image, right? The reverse image of a black man being hung is very familiar to us and doesn't make us feel uncomfortable. So why should this be so shocking? And it just made me feel like, wow, let me think about a world not promoting hate, but I should not be I should not be okay with the images of us being murdered and killed because that's what we've been told. Right? Yep. I shouldn't be okay with yep. that. And I shouldn't be okay with anyone, but just for us in particular, just a reminder. Kanye don't like it. I know that much. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, Ali, thank you so much for joining me on Naked and being completely naked and making me think. Oof, so much to, so much to oh. chew on, y'all. We've been blessed today. We've been blessed today. I'm getting I'm getting sun kissed. I was trying to find a decent uh, light, but you know I'm running around my spot. That's okay. You know the sun keeps coming after me. So I like I'm it. it. I like right it. Now. I like it. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey folks, did you hear what the man said? If you were given a choice between doing something you love or something you hate, which one would you do? If you were given a choice between feeling one emotion versus the other, which one? would you like to feel? It's difficult to feel hate. It's difficult to hold on to anger. It's hard to stay in that space. And if you can stay in that space, I advise you seek some help, some advice, um, a place in which you understand that you can't continue on that way. It's not healthy. That's why we as a culture, Black folks are so forgiving. I do believe that. I do believe that. We were brought to a country that did not want us and we stayed here and we have fought our way to the top, to existence, to find our place, to stake our claim, to be bold. And we continue. We continue to do it. We never stop. As Black folks, we never stop. We always understand what it takes to be who we are in this world. And we also know how we show up in this world and how people see us. But at the end of the day, I have a friend who used to say, Black folks do trauma well, meaning 
all of the things that we've been through, we find a way to laugh at it. We find a way to forgive. We find a way to move on. We find a way to push forward, even in spite of what we know will perhaps happen in the end or perhaps um, what will happen if we continue to stay in a certain space that they don't respect us in. We still push through more than more than most, I think. And I'm not getting into struggles and I'm not getting into who's whose injustice was worse. I'm not doing that. Right. I don't want to I don't want to get into that. But what I do want to say is, is that we have an incredible, incredible ability to forgive. And it's good to be reminded of that because it takes a lot to stay angry. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Naked. Uh, you got to check out the special. It's it's here. It's now on HBO. Rail, directed by Ali Leroy. You got to check it out. Also, go back and watch some some old episodes of Everybody Hates Chris. Why not, right? Why not? What, what, what else? And I know there's a reboot, an animated version. Everyone still hates Chris, an animated version that's coming out. So go check it out as well. Uh, I am a fan. I'm so glad I met Ali. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'll talk to you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. 
Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.